0: This is The Blessed Life, and we've been talking about what The Blessed Life is and how that looks like in our lives and what that looks like to be fleshed out on a daily basis um, as one another in Christ, and we get to talk a little bit about that here uh, this morning. We've been journeying through this series that we've titled The Blessed Life now for the past three weeks, and I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying learning about God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, through These first few verses in the book of Ephesians. It's been good for my soul to uh, be reacquainted with these verses and be refreshed by them as well. Uh, The blessed life, we get that phrase and we get that name largely from a verse in Ephesians 1 verse 3. And so I want us to look at this verse that really sets the tone for this first chapter. And I think it sets the tone for this letter. The thing that's really unique about Ephesians one is that the first eleven verses is really just one long sentence, and we read it kind of with in our translation in our language with the periods and, and commas and things like that. But Paul really is just giving a long greeting to the Ephesian church that he wants us to jump into and learn from, and I believe we can today. And he kicks it off starting in verse three by saying, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord." Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And I believe that there's so much going on in this one verse that it's important for us to learn from it today. We've honed in on some of these words that we'll highlight on the screen. We've honed in on this idea that, 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 we are, that, that we're blessing God back. And, and that word blessed is just another way to say praise him, set him apart, glorify him. We want him to be the ultimate blessed one because he is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise him. Why? Because he has blessed us, right? He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Here's what I've been trying to tap into as I've been reading Ephesians chapter 1 and why we call this chapter the blessed life. I've been trying to tap into God. I want to know what every spiritual blessing is. Like, I don't want to just know what some of the spiritual blessings are. Like, yeah, I got a couple of those in my uh, identity. or I I, I have a few spiritual blessings in my uh, credentials, but I want to know every one of them. Like, I don't want to miss out on any blessing that God has for me. Amen? Any blessing that Jesus paid for on the cross that I don't know about, I want to know about. And we get to hear about in Ephesians chapter 1. So we've been taking our time identifying, right? The power of identifying the spiritual blessings that are made known to us in Ephesians chapter 1. We kicked it off by, by talking about some of those. One, The first one that we identified was in verse 4, and it was chosen, right? The, the idea that before you and I were born, and let's go ahead and unlayer that one step further. Before the world was born, right, before God breathed out the stars and, and spoke and made a planet and made the earth and made grass and made animal and made food and made Adam and Eve, before the foundations of the world, right, before the blueprint that God laid out and said, I'm going to make this world, before that, Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose you. He, he identified you before you were even born, and he said, I want this person the second blessing to be in my family. That God would say, even though you're sinful, even though you're wicked, even though you're evil, even though we follow in the footsteps of our ancestors, Adam and Eve, who didn't trust God and who disobeyed God in the garden, even though that's our background, God says, I'm still going to adopt you into my family. That right there is a spiritual blessing that we should remind ourselves of every day. Because here's the reality. Every day... You'll be tempted by your own sinfulness to think that you're no part, you're you're no longer a part of God's family. Or, like someone recently said, I feel like God's left me, or I feel like I'm no longer close to God. It's in that moment that you got to say, "Hold up! I got the spiritual blessing of chosen and adopted into His family." Verse four and five. Verse six talks about this. Should all lead us to praise His glorious grace, right? Chosen and adoption should lead us to say, "Man, God's good," like. I'm going to praise him today. I'm going, to, I'm going to worship him today. I'm going to look at sin and say, nope. I'm going to look at Jesus and say, yes, because of these two blessings. Last week, our youth leader, Tony, gave us a great word on what it means to be redeemed from our past and redeemed of our sin. The word redeemed is a strong word. It means to be purchased. It means to be bought back. It means to be redeemed, right? When we, when we redeem something, it means to be taken and then restored back to its original purpose. Have you guys ever read Genesis 1 through 3? If not, you should go do it. You'll see how God intended us for us to live. In the beginning, you'll see this beautiful garden. You'll see man created in the image of God. And you'll see man so tight with God that they would walk together. They would hang together. They would experience freedom and in relationship. They were united, friends. Right? They, they, they were united and then sin entered into the world and caused a separation between God and man. As if man were right here, here was sin, and here was God. And that, that, that's our state today. right? But in the beginning, it was, it was this tight-knit relationship. And when he says that we're now redeemed in Christ, that means we're being restored. We're bought back into the relationship that we once had with God. We're, 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 we're bringing Being brought, too many bees. We're being brought back. Try to say that three times fast. Being brought back, right? Um, We're being brought back to him through his blood. And I want to identify that really quick because if we don't don't make mention enough about verse seven, we could miss the reality that this doesn't happen unless Jesus sheds his blood for us. In the book of Hebrews, we see in chapter nine, verse 22, that it says, apart from the, the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. But here's what, what, what verse 7 tells us. It's not by my blood. It's not by your blood. It's by his blood that we get to be not just redeemed, but the last blessing that we talked about last week was forgiven. Amen? Let me tell you guys what the blessed life's all about. And let me, let, let me see your eyes real quick. Let me see everybody. And if you're watching this online, hone in here. The blessed life is being chosen by God before you were even born The blessed life is being adopted into the family of God. When you didn't choose him, he came and chose you. The blessed life is being redeemed from all your past, all your sin, all your lust, all your struggles, all your haunting stuff in the back. The blessed life is being redeemed from that and not just redeemed but forgiven. Like all the sin that you've messed with and struggled with and blown it, all those times can be erased and forgiven because of who you are in Christ. Those are the spiritual blessings that we're talking about in Ephesians 1-3. Amen? like like catch that don't miss that we're like four people clapping I'm gonna clap I believe that I believe that that's my story right that's our story today right like I'm reminded of this every week and I went to this school like talk about being redeemed we're living that we're living the redeemed life maybe you don't feel like you're redeemed but you are You need to speak that to yourself. Like, I don't feel like I'm forgiven. It doesn't matter how you feel. You are. It says you are forgiven in Christ. That's why the blessed life is all about speaking these realities over yourself. And not only do we speak them over ourselves, but they become our identity. Check this out. The only way you're going to be able to forgive that person you can't forgive is when you understand you're forgiven. Like, how did you forgive like that? Man, when, you re- when, you- when I really realized how much I've been forgiven, the only way that you're going to be able to love somebody the way God calls you to love is when you understand you're loved that way. Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you. The only way you're going to be able to do it is as he does it through you. And so I'm excited to continue, and we're going to learn about some new blessings that we have in Christ today. we got four strong ones, Amen. If, if, if God stopped at these four, I'd be content, but praise God, there's more like God's like, I got even more for you. Like just being chosen and adopted was cool with me. Like I, I I should be a spiritual orphan somewhere living in sin, destined for eternal hell. And God said, I don't want that for you. I want to step in and redeem you. I want to adopt you. I want to give you a new life. That's the gospel. Amen. That's the gospel. So let's go ahead and look at these few verses that we're going to jump back into today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 10. And we're going to read these four awesome, powerful, packed verses that God's going to speak to us some new blessings about today. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood, right? Let's not leave out the blood. The blood is the means that we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Everybody say, his grace. His grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. These are the verses that we're going to hang around today. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will. Everybody say his will. will. According to his purpose. Say his purpose. purpose. Which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Say in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. I want to preach a message to you guys today that I'm titling, Reunited, and it feels so good. Amen? And it feels so good. Reunited, and it feels good. You're not going to be able to get that out your head for the whole day, all right? I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Reunited, and it feels so good. And we're going to see what that looks like in our lives as we unpack these three and a half verses for us today. Father God, I pray that you would open our hearts. Pray that you would open our minds, God. We just want to draw closer to you today. We want to know you better. We want to know the blessed life better. We don't just want to know it, we want to live it, God. So help us to take a step today as we read these verses. Open our hearts. Open our eyes to see you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. So let's pick it up in verse 7. This is going to lead us into the context of where we're going today. We're going on a journey. I want you to buckle up and get ready. He starts off and he says, in him we have redemption through his blood. We just talked about that. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. A couple things I want to highlight on the screen so we don't miss it. First off, in him we have redemption. Right? We've talked about this word redeemed. If we don't, just, if we don't catch the revelation of redeemed, we're going we're to miss what he's trying to tell us in verse 8. It means to be restored and bought back. There's, there's something powerful about knowing that you're redeemed. That you're not defined by your past anymore. One of the things the Israelites struggled with when they were delivered out of Egypt was they kept looking back. Even when they were delivered, they kept saying, man, what about about back when we were slaves? And Moses was like, dude, what? Like, you're thinking about back then? You're not enjoying what you have? Now you've been redeemed. He wants us to see that and catch that. And so we don't live in our past. Our past will control us until we are redeemed from it. And know that in the gospel you can be redeemed through his blood. Praise God, you don't have to shed your own blood. Amen? We don't have to go to Jerusalem this morning and we don't have to purchase a goat and a bull and a spotless lamb. We have the spotless lamb, the capital L lamb, who's worthy of our praise because he paid for all of our sin on the cross through his blood. That's how we get redeemed and that's how we get forgiven of our trespasses according to the riches. Of his grace. And so we don't stop there. His grace, now this is where we pick it up this morning where I want us to, to go here. His grace was lavished upon us. There were some, some days in Hawaii where you just kind of, it is strange. You're just, you're walking through, you're just hanging out, and then you just hear that boom and just We get lavished by some rain. Just, you get flooded by some, like we don't usually get that much in Vegas. A little bit last night though, that was kind of strange. Um, but, but usually it's kind of like a soft rain, it hits for a little bit and goes away. Like there were some moments in Hawaii where we we're just like, bro, what has just happened to this rain? Just, just lavishing upon us, covering us. And this is the same word and picture that he's trying to demonstrate to us in this letter, that we've been lavished upon by his grace. Remember the definition of grace, simple definition. The definition of grace is an undeserved gift from God. So think about all the things that that you don't deserve, right? His love, His mercy, His forgiveness, His redemption, Him choosing you, Him adopting you. All those things, to be honest, you don't deserve. If we were to be honest, we deserve the opposite. The grace of God is that we get all those things. We get them all. Check this out. Every other religion is opposite of grace, Every other world religion, there's a whole bunch, right? There's thousands of them. You can look at them, study them. I got a degree in college in in world religions, not just in Christianity, but in religious studies. I've studied them, and each one of them is absent of grace. You have to earn it. You better be good enough. You better fast enough. You better pray this many times a day. You better make your pilgrimage. You better offer your sacrifices. You better do this, 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 and this. And then maybe the gods in heaven might be pleased with you and let you in. That's whack. That's just straight up whack. And that's really hard. It's impossible, church. And you're depending on if this God in heaven who's out there feels sorry for you to let you in. That's not the God that we believe in. The gospel is that Jesus did everything that you and I could never do. We can't live the perfect life, but he did. We can't die for our sins, but he already did. We can't rise from the grave. We'll stay in the grave. We'll rot in the grave. Jesus rose from the grave and says, I'm calling you now to be with me. And when you're with me, everything that's mine becomes yours. Wow. Amen, right? Everything that is his is ours in Christ. That's grace. That is like a whole rich, rich, rich amount of grace. That's like an ATM of grace that we can tap into with the name Jesus, right? Like you can get it all. You can get it all. I, I want to I like, labor on that point. You can get it all. Like don't look to the world for that. You have it in him. Which he lavished upon us. Let's go to verse 8. B, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Let's just talk about those two words right there. Wisdom and insight. These two words are important for us to talk about today. The word wisdom, it's the Greek word sophia. Sophia. It means to be made intelligent. That God wants to make us intelligent by his grace. That God wants to take us to a deeper place in knowing him, in in revelation, in understanding him by his grace. He says, hey, I don't want to keep it a secret. Like, I, I don't want to be like a God who's, like, covering all this grace that he has. And you got to, like, really try hard to, like, maybe he'll let you get in on it. He's like, no, I'm, I want to lavish upon you wisdom. Like, I want to unfold. I want to dump rain on you. And it's not just any rain. It's wise rain. It's wisdom. Not just wisdom. It's wisdom and insight. Insight, the Greek word Pronetheus. It means the knowledge of God's will. It means the understanding and knowledge of not just what God has done, but what he's done for you. It's the understanding and insight and wisdom of his will for your life. As we look into verse 9, it says, Making known to us the mystery of his will. Here's what I want you to see, right? You think, well, what type of wisdom and insight do we need to know? Why is that even important? Why is it even a, a thought for Paul to write in the letter to the Ephesians that, that he wants us to know that God has lavished upon us wisdom and insight. Here's why. Because it's into the mystery of his will. Now that might be some strange language for you. Maybe you don't understand the idea of a mysterious will of God. Here's what I, I want you to tap in with me, right? You guys do know that the Bible has a left and right side, right? right? There's an Old Testament. There's a New Testament. And to be honest, we should just read it as one long story. We shouldn't even divide the two. Right, because from the beginning, Genesis, all the way to Revelation, it's one story about how God desires to redeem and save mankind. God is pursuing. you. Remember, before the foundations of the world, he had this planned out. Right, God knew Adam was going to sin. God knew that you were going to sin. Praise God that even before that happened, he made a way. He made a way for us to be brought back to him. And he says, this is a mysterious will, though. Because for a long, 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 long time, people weren't sure how it was going to happen. They knew it was going to happen, right? In Romans chapter 2, God says that Abraham was saved by his faith in what was to come. Abraham was this dude who said, you know what? One day God's going to save people. It's not always going to be like this. I just don't know how he's going to do it. (laughs) Isaiah said, you know what? God has spoken a prophecy through me that one day he's going to send a Messiah who's going to be born of a virgin. He's going to redeem people. But I don't know how that's going to happen and when that's going to happen and what that's going to look like. Even in Genesis chapter 3... When man sinned, right, God said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a way. He's going to crush the head of the serpent, and he's going to come through the seed of the woman, and he's going to redeem mankind. And then he clothed Adam and, Adam and Eve. He clothed them with animal skin. That was a picture of how he would one day clothe us through, clothe us through a sacrifice. It's going to happen, but it's mysterious. Let me show you a verse in, in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 11 you'll see the hall of faith, right? I call it the sports center top 10 of the Bible. You'll see all these different people who just had great lives of faith. They weren't perfect by any means. They got a lot of sin in their lives too. But here's what we see in this verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39 through 40. It says, and all these, all the people that you'll see in the Old Testament, all these, though commended through their faith, they did a good job, amen? They did not receive what was promised, verse 40, since God had provided something better for us. All these people, we're pressing in, we're, 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 we're fighting, we're we're saying, hey, you know what? I I want to see what God has planned for us. He's going to save us. He's going to redeem us. But when and how? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. What's what's the better promise that He has for us, right? Which 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 promise is it that is? better that we can receive? Maybe you would ask that question. I'm asking that question. I want to know it. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says it, right? He says, God has bestowed upon us wisdom and insight into the mystery of his will. Let's keep reading. According to his purpose. We're getting there, you guys. Now, maybe you'd ask, "Well, well, what's his purpose? I love that God has a purpose for what he's doing. Like, he's, he's taking his time here. He's got a purpose in what he's doing. He's an intentional God, he's a specific God. And he says, I have a purpose, what I'm gonna lay forth in my son, in Christ. What I want us to see here as the fifth blessing that we have in Christ is that we have revelation. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about what that means, but the fifth blessing that we have in Christ is revelation. So it's it's being chosen. It's being adopted. It's being redeemed. And it's being forgiven. And here's the good news, you guys. Check this out. It's, it's, it's being revealed to us that we have that. That's what I want you to see here today. That God has said, you know what? I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you the wisdom to see it. I'm going to give you the insight to understand it. See, there is people walking throughout this city, not just this world, but even in our city alone, looking for this. You know what, what? Who is God? What's his plan for me? What's his purpose for my life? What's eternity look like? How do I know for sure I'm going to heaven? What's, what's going to happen in the afterlife? How can I be forgiven? How can, how can I know God's will for my life? Have you ever asked some of those questions? Have you ever thought, you know what, I really wish God would show me his will. Wish he would just reveal that to me. I just want to, I just want God to reveal his plan for me. The fifth blessing that we have in the gospel is revelation. He's revealing it to us in Ephesians chapter 1. I want you guys to understand as we look into these verses that, that he's revealed to us this wisdom. John MacArthur in his study Bible, he says it like this. He says, God not only forgives us taking away sin that corrupts and distorts our lives, but also gives us all the necessary equipment to understand him and to walk through the world day by day in a way that reflects his will and is pleasing to him. Check this out, you guys. It says, he generously gives us the wherewithal, right? Keep going with me slides, both to understand his word and to know how to obey it. He gives us the the wisdom to understand his will, and not just to understand it, but to put it into action, to obey it. We need revelation, church. We need to wake up on on Monday morning tomorrow and say, all right, God, now what do I do? Like, I'm glad that the pastor preached that word, but what what did he say again? I need revelation. I need God to reveal it to me. I need God to now teach me. I need God now to reveal to me his will for my life. And he's revealing it to us here through the scriptures, through this idea of mystery. This mysterious plan that the Old Testament was looking ahead to. And now we get to look back toward that God has revealed to us. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9, we look at it in the NLT version. He says it like this. He says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. As I think about this word purpose, I'm diving deeper into this word church. It's not just his purpose, but it's, it's his own good pleasure. Check this out, you guys. I want you to see this, that it was God's pleasure to reveal to you his will. Like God said, you know what? I, I, I want Noah to understand my will. Right? I, want, I want Dean to, to really understand what I have for him. Right, I, I want you to understand what I paid for. I want you to understand why I sent my son to earth. A lot of us look at the cross and are just like, why did he have to die? Or like, why do we celebrate Easter? Why does it even matter that Jesus rose from the grave? And God's saying, it pleases me to tell you why. I want to reveal to you Why? I want you to understand and capture why this is such a big deal. I have a purpose in doing it. I have a purpose, and he relays to us the purpose in verse 9 and 10. Let's go ahead and look at these last few verses, and we'll get ready to close this morning. He says, the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, And things on earth. Let me tell you what he wants to do. He wants to unite us in him. The revelation that he wants to reveal to us is the sixth blessing. All right? Sixth blessing for you guys, you note takers out there, it's union. It's union. And we'll get ready to wrap it up here because I want you guys to to capture this. I don't want to go any further because we got to stop and we just got to land on this idea. Look at verse 10 with me one more time. He says, he says, a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. Catch this, church, that that one day you were over here. You were on the wrong side of the fence, you guys. Our sin has separated us from God. It says that the wages of sin is death. Right? So here I am. I want to get back to God, but a lot like this ceiling, I can't. I can't make it through the ceiling. There is a separation between the two of us. And in Christ, God is saying, here's what I'm doing. I'm removing the separation so that we can be one again. Like the gospel is that Christ dying on the cross, right? Miss Sandy, he grabbed your hand. And he grabbed God the Father's hand. And you know what he did? Brought unity. If Jesus doesn't die on the cross, there's no union. There's no revelation. There's no forgiveness. There's no adoption. There's no choosing. But the fact that God would say, hey, I love you so much. I love you so much. I want to unite us. I want us to bring us back into unity. I want us to have a, re- a relationship. You got, every one of us has a relationship with God. Is it a good one or a bad one though? That's the question you got to ask. Is your relationship with God real or is it fake? What does a fake relationship look like? It looks like lies. It looks like false living. It looks like living in a way that you don't really believe looks like there's no communication, it looks like there's no listening. Jesus says, no, I want to speak to you. I want to hear from you. I want to walk with you. God God broke through the heavenly separation in the form of his son. And Jesus, the God-man, walked this life. And people are like, this is mysterious. Like that was God's plan? God's plan was ultimately to send himself. Yes. God said, you know what? I'm going I'm to make a way by sending my son. And here's what he's going to do. He is going to break through the, the, the death wage. He is going to walk with sinful people. Right? Look at who the people Jesus hung out with. Look at the disciples. They weren't the religious elite. They were fishermen, tax collectors, zealots, a melting pot. Right? All types of people. He said, I want to give you guys a picture of what the church is going to look like. All types of people. I am making a way. Unity. Let me give you guys some synonyms for the word unity. As I looked up this word unity um, in the gospel, it's it's another word for this word, it's the Greek word kaleo. It means it means glue. It's the same word for glue. To combine, to join, to merge. When you put your faith in Christ, here's the mystery, you guys. Check this out. Here's the mystery. When you really believe in Jesus and you say, hey, it's no longer my life but his life. It's no longer my will to be done. It's his will to be done. What God does there is a supernatural mystery. He takes you and he glues you to Jesus. He, he merges you like all of a sudden you're merged now into Christ and your old life is gone. And you have a new life in Christ. That's the mystery Like Abraham never experienced that. Moses never experienced that. Lot never experienced that. Noah on the ark. It was a mystery. He's like, man, there's got to be a better way than this. Like, like this is all right. I'm thankful that God saved me. But when's he gonna like save us all? And God said, I'm gonna make it known to walk church on June 30th, right? Or July 30th, right? He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it known to you, right? Through the scriptures. Let's read it one more time. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I don't know about you, friends. But when I've been united back to God, it feels good. feels good. When I'm I'm disconnected from God, it doesn't feel good. I don't want to live another day in this life not connected to God, not glued to my Savior. I want to be glued to my Savior. I was reading in this Gospel Transformation Study Bible um, some commentary on these verses. and, And the author says, because we belong to Christ... We reside where he resides, heaven. And we receive what he deserves unending blessing. All this is possible, you know why? Because of our union with Christ. Like like when you show up at a party and you can't get let in, but the person who invited you is there and he's like, hey, he's with me. You can get in. Like when you show up on heaven's door, don't show up by yourself. You better be unified that day with Jesus. And here's the good news, and we'll close with this. He has done everything possible to make that possible. Some person recently said to me, he said, Hayden, why would a good father send people to hell? I said, you must not have read the Bible. Because our God has done everything possible to keep us out of hell. Like our God is doing whatever he can so that we don't have to go to hell, right? Why would God say, all right, son, I'm sending you to heaven, and you're going to live with sinful people, and you're going to die on the cross and be spit on and mocked, and a crown of thorns are going to be put on your head, and then you're going to be buried into a tomb, and then you're going to rise from the grave. He's doing everything possible to keep us away from that place. It's on us. How are we going to respond? Are we going to look at the grace of God and say, I'm cool, I don't want that? Keep your wisdom, keep your insight, keep your adoption. God. God saying, "I'm doing my part." Now how will we respond to His blessings so that we could live the blessed life that He's paid for on the cross? I don't know about you, but I want to be united back to God, and I am through my faith in Jesus. Let's pray.